Hi everyone, welcome to another video on topics I care about, and thanks for taking some time to join me. One of the most pressing challenges for today's IT leaders is the need to develop a cloud strategy. So today I'm going to explore this further in this episode called Journey to the Cloud. So let's start with the basics. What actually is a cloud strategy? Simply put, a cloud strategy is a plan or approach for how and when an organization will leverage the cloud. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? Well, if it really were that simple, most companies would already have one, but according to Gartner, most don't. As you may remember from one of my earlier articles, Strategy and the Art of War, a strategy involves making difficult decisions and choosing where to invest time, effort, and money and where not to, knowing that choosing one path may actually block off another path. In other words, choosing which battles to fight. A simple example of strategy as it applies to cloud is the decision of whether or not to use platform as a service or PaaS components. By doing so, you can potentially create a product or service much more rapidly and spend much less effort managing and operating it. However, PaaS offerings are generally not portable between providers, which means you could get locked into a specific cloud provider's proprietary stack. So in this example, the trade-off is fast development cycle, but with potential vendor lock-in, or slower development cycle, but with increased flexibility and independence. So why is cloud strategy important? Well, this is the era of digital transformation, which I tend to define as using technology to change or reimagine the way products and services are delivered. And many companies have already experienced the reality of disrupt or be disrupted in this marketplace. Startups and established companies have both used technology to change the way their business is done and had a major disruptive impact across the industry. Whether that's Uber and Lyft who effectively disintermediated traditional taxi companies by connecting supply, in other words drivers, to demand, in other words passengers, cutting out the taxi companies altogether. Or Apple who did much the same thing with the music industry. Companies that are not looking at ways to transform their business model using technology are effectively just waiting for someone else to come along and, to borrow a phrase, move their cheese. It should be pretty clear then that a strong business strategy must be tightly underpinned by a strong technology strategy to ensure long-term viability of an organization. But how does that relate to the importance of a cloud strategy? Well, Cloud is incredibly important to any strategy, but it's particularly important for organizational agility. In other words, the ability to rapidly go to market with new product or service offerings, to change the way services are structured and delivered, and to enter new markets or regions. Businesses have benefited from management and automation of business processes, relying on technology for everyday activities for many back and front office functions. Yet in many cases, organizations have become frustrated with their IT team's ability to react to the changing business needs. And the process automation that starts out delivering real business benefit can often end up as more of an organizational straitjacket if not built to anticipate change. Cloud can offer many potential benefits including an opportunity to accelerate the pace of change and empower the IT and business teams to react more effectively to changing demands. It can also deliver a whole new set of capabilities like commodity machine learning, voice recognition, serverless computing, and even quantum computing, many of which have been previously unavailable to all but the largest of organizations. A lower barrier of entry for adoption of new technologies is another potential benefit of cloud, 
along with the ability to lower the amount of time and money being spent on Run the Shop, freeing up resources to focus on innovation and transformation activities. The cloud also offers the potential for greater reliability and security than all but the largest companies would be able to achieve on their own. And finally, it offers a more predictable and consistent set of operating costs, combined with the ability to easily associate costs with the consumer of those services, allowing for showbacks or chargebacks. As we can see, cloud has a massive potential benefit, but it also has the potential to be an existential threat if you ignore it while your competitors exploit it. It's the IT equivalent of the repeating rifle. It gave a decisive advantage to any side using it, and you didn't want to be on the side that wasn't. So, to sum up, businesses that don't have a strong digital agenda laid out in both business and technology strategies are going to get disrupted. And any robust technology strategy must include, at its core, a strategy for cloud, even if that strategy is not to use cloud because your strategy will need to compensate for the technological advantages that your competitors will have from their use of the cloud. Even aside from the critical business need for it, there are still many technical and financial and security reasons why you need to have a strong cloud strategy. Without having a clear plan for how to approach the cloud, you run the risk of having potentially runaway IT operational budget while getting no incremental benefit, as an example, many simple commercial off-the-shelf software solutions are actually more expensive to run in the cloud using IaaS and deliver no recognizable benefit to running them in your own data center. You may also expose your organization to increased risk because of a lack of understanding of the shared responsibility model and the need to design security controls and resilience into your cloud-based solutions. It really isn't just set it and forget it. Having no easy way to switch vendors is a particular risk for PaaS, especially if your developers unintentionally used cloud-specific components. And lastly, you could end up stuck in arguments with your security and data protection teams about how to manage and protect data that's spread across clouds and be challenged with the operational overhead of managing different controls in each space. So how do I create a cloud strategy? Well, Gartner does a good job of laying out the basics of this in their Cloud Strategy Cookbook, though some of this may be a bit much for smaller organizations. You can find links to this article on my site. There are generally many different factors that go into when and how you will use the cloud, and these all start with having a clear understanding of the overall business objectives. When it comes to creating a cloud strategy, there are a few design principles and considerations you should be aware of. For starters, while it's often tempting to just say your cloud strategy is cloud first, that is a massive oversimplification and not actually that helpful. For example, cloud first even if it's more expensive? Cloud first if it's less secure? What about if it's less reliable? It's very unlikely that the answer will always be to put everything in the cloud. These should be business decisions driven by business considerations. Gartner actually calls this out in their cookbook saying, you generally don't get a lot of benefits from doing lift and shift migrations. It is, however, really important to have some guiding principles. In that context, cloud first, where it's defined as a preference for cloud solutions, assuming everything else is equal, can make more sense. It's also important to understand your preference and capabilities regarding buy versus build. In most enterprises, I've generally preferred buy over build, but that's not always the best choice. 
a cloud startup might well decide that its business processes are so integrated into its offerings that it should build out much of the supporting systems so that it has the ultimate flexibility. Another interesting example of this is Tesla, who made perhaps the controversial choice of building their own ERP or enterprise resource planning system. While many companies would consider this to be a non-core capability, Tesla appears to have viewed this as a back office system that's critical to their integrated operation and a potential differentiator. Your business's approach to financial considerations is also very important. Many companies appreciate the fact that cloud shifts costs from capital expenditure, or capex, where you buy and install the equipment and depreciate it over time, over the life of the asset, to operational expenditure, or opex, where you're paying for a service as you use it. But this isn't universal. There are companies who prefer the flexibility of being able to adjust their operating costs by doing things like reducing support headcount or choosing to extend the life cycle of existing assets to defer upcoming costs. These are options that are not available when paying a line item of a service consumption on a cloud bill. Pace layering or bimodal IT are important considerations when evaluating workloads for cloud migration. If these are not concepts you're familiar with, you can find more about them from my website but they basically boil down to an understanding that there's a difference between systems of record, for example, an ERP system or an order management system, and systems of engagement, which are more like customer-facing portals or new technology. The fundamental premise is that you may allow more architectural flexibility in tools and platforms that are systems of engagement than you might in systems of record, because the latter are, by definition, critical to the daily functioning of business and less open to experimentation. There are some further nuances applicable to pace layering, but the essence is fundamentally the same. The relevance of this concept to cloud is that customer-facing or experimental software is a great match and easy sell for cloud technologies where companies might be a bit more cautious with systems of record. I would personally recommend being a bit more nuanced around the types of cloud when developing a cloud strategy. For example, when we say cloud first, are we talking about software as a service, platform as a service? infrastructure as a service, maybe serverless computing or virtual private clouds or hybrid clouds. The truth is that all of these are relevant in some way, which is why it makes sense, in my opinion, to treat them each discreetly within the strategy. Let's look at the customer and cloud provider responsibilities for each type of cloud model. As you can see in this diagram, as you move further to the left, your organization takes on more responsibility, but you get more flexibility. And as you move further to the right, you're getting more services from the provider, but the potential for vendor lock-in is increasing. As a side note, in this model, I consider serverless computing and containers, for example, Docker, to be a variant of PaaS. I also tend to lump virtual private clouds and hybrid clouds into the IaaS bucket. I recognize this isn't entirely accurate, as several providers offer PaaS components on-premise, but from a design responsibility perspective, these are similar enough, in my mind, not to warrant separate treatment. Some of these models are fairly simple. For example, most companies are already using some element of SaaS, and this is a fairly straightforward approach to understand. Considerations for this model should include things like exit strategy. What happens if you want to change the vendor? Can you get the data out in a meaningful way? Integration capabilities. An isolated solution on its own island is rarely very useful. Having the ability to interconnect it with other systems is often critical to most applications in most organizations. Upgrades and currency requirements. 
SaaS solutions generally have regular upgrades. And even though the software is often upgraded for you, it still regularly requires testing to ensure that customizations, configurations, and integrations don't break. Sometimes you're required to go through this cycle within a fixed period of time from their release. And you have to commit to staying no more than a certain number of versions behind the current release. Vendor capabilities and service level. In this model, you are largely in the hands of your supplier. Their ability to deliver a reliable and secure service is essential, and most contracts don't cover things like consequential damages, such as loss of revenue, reputational damage, or other things like that. Any refunds are usually capped at the amount paid for the service, which is an important consideration if this is a critical system whose lack of availability could impact business productivity or profitability. Regulatory and compliance posture. Financial service companies and state and local government organizations are taking an increasingly aggressive look at how their suppliers are providing services to them and protecting their data. It's important to ensure that these SaaS providers are meeting any applicable requirements that could be placed on your organization by these entities. Infrastructure as a service is also fairly well understood, but as mentioned before, often has little direct financial benefit if you are simply lifting and shifting the servers. Where it can really benefit companies is when they have a seasonal fluctuation in demand that must scale to meet need, but doesn't warrant the steady state cost of maximum capacity, or when the need for flexibility and agility outweigh the consequence of the cost, or when you need to be able to start small and cheap, but rapidly scale out to meet a demand. Another example is when you completely eliminate or avoid the need to maintain a data center, or when your clients are looking for you to meet certain stringent requirements for data hosting. It's also quite good for when you have a strong need to stay cloud neutral or be able to run the same workload in multiple different clouds and on site potentially. But it is worth noting that this requirement might be better met using containers. The critical thing to note about IaaS is that it still requires a lot of technical expertise in both design and operation. There's a frequent misunderstanding that putting something into the cloud automatically makes it highly secure, highly available and highly scalable. This couldn't be further from the truth. A lot of the same design and implementation challenges exist in the cloud as in your own data center. Most of what's been taken care of for you is the physical and some logical provisioning. Everything else requires careful planning and design. For example, if you're storing government data, you can't simply rely on the FedRAMP certification that your provider has. You will inevitably need to configure and manage many additional controls yourself on top of the cloud provider's controls. If you need an application to be highly available, you need to understand and design around the inherent failure domains in your chosen provider. For example, Amazon uses availability zones. And you need to ensure that your implementation can survive the loss of an entire zone. Patching, systems management, change management, uh, monitoring, incident management, and many other areas are still directly your responsibility in this model. Platform as a service is probably the most complex of the cloud types, as it is frequently proprietary to the specific cloud provider, though there are examples of services that are cloud agnostic, even if the interface to manage them isn't. As an example, many database systems are offered as PaaS and can be relatively easily migrated between clouds or even potentially to an on-premise offering. Amazon's RDS offering for MySQL service is an example PaaS component that can easily be moved to Microsoft Azure's MySQL service. Even some proprietary databases like Amazon Aurora, which is compatible with MySQL, can potentially be migrated fairly easily, but things get much more challenging when you start to delve into things like machine learning, big data, and some of the development and storage options that are not cross-compatible. 
This isn't to say that Paz is bad. As a matter of fact, it can actually be a very compelling approach for the right situations, giving distinct competitive advantage if used right. The important thing is to be deliberate and aware of where you are making choices that will lock you in and having a fallback or exit plan worked out in advance. Some recommendations for PaaS are have a list of pre-approved PaaS components and standard configurations available for your developers so that they can ensure that they don't accidentally commit you to a technology that you haven't actually got an exit plan for. Have a strategic position guided by your broader business strategy on just how close you want to get integrated with any one provider or how closely you can get integrated with that provider. Consider the use of the adapter pattern when you're deciding to use proprietary services. This can make it easier to switch out the code to a different provider at a later stage. Potentially have guiding principles to avoid vendor lock-in unless the value exceeds a certain threshold. For example, the machine learning component, if that's the secret source in our app and it's not something we want to change rapidly, that might cross that threshold. Because of the inherent complexity of these various cloud options, it makes sense to approach the application of cloud strategy on a workload-by-workload -workload basis. To be specific, you should not just say something like, all finance applications should go to the cloud. Instead, you should do a careful analysis of your workloads, clearly understanding the criticality, sensitivity, architecture, and function of each workload before making a decision on its target state. This is where cloud design principles help, but I would recommend that they include differentiation based on the cloud type. For example, we might have rules like SaaS first for systems of record when provided by tier one or two companies, PaaS first for systems of engagement, cloud-managed container services for COTS, where possible, based on the cheapest location, and fourth, all user-based authentication must be through an identity store. Obviously, a full list would be a lot more comprehensive and aligned to your company's business and technology strategy. In that example, assuming that your firm was using something like SAP as its ERP, it would be probable that the target state for it would be SaaS, as long as the host was tier one or two, according to your standards. Most important of all, a cloud strategy needs to be focused on outcomes. What is the organization actually trying to accomplish, and how do you measure success? Without this, any strategy is basically going to be a write-only document. In other words, one that never gets read or used. So to wrap up, you need to have a strong cloud strategy, and to do this, you need to clearly understand the business and technology strategy and objectives. You need to be clear on the risks you're prepared to take and the bets that you're going to make. For example, are you all in on Microsoft? Do you want to stay cloud neutral? There are trade-offs in every decision, but you need to be deliberate about it. You need to create and repeatedly vet a list of cloud design principles. These will be foundational in your workload placement decisions, so it's important that these deliver the right outcomes. You need to make sure you have a clear strategy for identity and access management. This is beyond the scope of this article, but it is a critical factor to continued security as your data and applications move to the cloud. Also, don't forget to design and integrate support models for each of these cloud types or components for the PaaS layer. That's all for today, so thanks for listening. I hope you found this useful. What are your thoughts and recommendations on moving to the cloud? Did you create a cloud strategy first, or did you just end up there and it all worked out okay? Maybe you think cloud is just an overpriced way of outsourcing. Whatever your thoughts, I would love to hear from you. Let me know in the comments section. Check back regularly for more on this and other topics that I care about. And if you want to know more about me, please visit my website at garethbar.com or check out my YouTube and Anchor channels. Thank you.